G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast where we talk with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association's Rapid Response Team. Remember, you can hear 2020 on the Vision Radio Network or you can stream it on www.vision.org.au from 10 a.m. Eastern Time or 11 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time on Vision. Well, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association Rapid Response Team is a group of specially trained chaplains who are able to respond to disaster situations and provide some spiritual care and mental health first aid to victims. They first came to our attention here in Australia during the Black Saturday bushfires in Victoria, but are now a fully-fledged Australian branch. We're going to find out some more about them, what they do and why they do it. Phil Oman is the Rapid Response Team Manager for Australia and New Zealand. He joins Matt Gies in the studio. Phil, tell us a little bit about uh, the Rapid Response Team. Most people are familiar with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, probably not so much with Rapid Response. Who are you and, and how do you fit into what the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association does? We, we actually came out of what happened at 9-11. You've all seen the pictures of people walking around the streets, totally bemused with, with pictures of loved ones in front of them. Uh, they didn't know what to do. The local churches wanted to come in and do what they do best, which was to, to come alongside and help them. And they were very good at providing shelter and water and so on. But they didn't really know what to say. Now, Franklin Graham came along and decided that we should set up some prayer stations, which we did. And we ended up with prayer stations with queues literally around the block waiting to come in and pray with us and local church members. That developed after Hurricane Katrina into a program where we would actually go out and talk to people uh, in the community. We would have um, specific groups of, ch- of trained chaplains, specifically trained in crisis intervention, who would go out and talk to people in the community. Um, the intention being just to provide them with some emotional and spiritual support. Uh, now, you ask how that fits in with the bigger picture of the Billy Graham Association. We are unashamedly an, an evangelistic organisation. Uh, we are called to share the good news of the gospel, and that's exactly what we do. What the Rapid Response Team does is to come alongside people, give them the emotional and spiritual support they want, and then ask if, if people do have any, any, any faith. It's not important whether they do or whether they don't or whether their faith is different from our Christian faith. We love people anyway. Uh, but we're going out and we're, we're introducing people to, to people who, who are, if you, if you will, Jesus with skin on. Uh, I guess the best example of that was the Virginia Tech shootings a few years ago. And we had a number of chaplains on scene. We were talking to the students just to, to help them to offload a little bit and talk through what had happened to them. And we had a number of people uh, who were not Christian come up to us afterwards and say, um, we've all experienced this same trauma, but you Christians seem to be dealing with it better than the rest of us. Um, and then came the leading question, you know, what have you guys got that we haven't? Uh, it, it's, it's like a big red flag, you know. Um, well, if, if you've got some time, we'd, we'd love to share with you what we have, the hope that we have, and why 
you know, we're, we're often able to, to deal with these, these traumas and crises of life um, maybe better than some other people. It's not exactly an easy job either, is it? Because any chaplain will tell you that the job is, is difficult because anything can happen. There's not a specific formula that, well, I'm a chaplain, this is what I do, this is how I do it, and this is why I do it. Well, exactly so. Um, I was training someone or a group of people recently, and what they wanted was a was a, a prescriptive list of, of how to follow through doing chaplaincy on someone. And they wanted to know all the answers. Um, and they asked me to, to do a role play with them, and I did. And uh, I just said, hi, I'm, I'm Phil. I'm a chaplain. Uh, I can't imagine how you're feeling at the moment following this tragedy that's just happened. Do you mind if I take a seat and have a cup of coffee with you? And they said, then what? I said, well, it depends what the person says. Sometimes just sitting there and saying nothing is exactly what you need. Uh, I actually re- recall... Uh, and, and using our training, um, a, a, a clip from the NCIS series um, where you've got Gibbs and Abby and Abby's having some problems and Gibbs comes in and she just talks to him for about a minute and a half and he doesn't say a word. And she says, I love you, Gibbs. You always know what to say. And then he walks out. That's what chaplaincy can be, ultimately. Mm. Words are not necessary. Yeah. Um, Francis of Assisi had it dead right. Share the gospel if necessary, use words. Now, over the years since 9-11 and since Hurricane Katrina, obviously the Billy Graham Association has worked out how to, I guess, formulate what the Rapid Response team does. Now, hmm. the name, Rapid Response, that obviously means that you guys could go at a moment's notice into somewhere around the world and be there as a chaplain and be there providing some sort of spiritual support. Is that about right? That's, that's, that is the case. Um, what we actually do in, in the US, um, you'll be familiar with Samaritan's Purse, mm. um, the major ministry here being Operation Christmas Child, obviously. In the US, Samaritan's Purse is actually a first response disaster agency. So they go out with, they've got four or five huge, like 50 foot long trailers of, of equipment, and they go to do practical stuff in disaster settings. Uh, the, the type of thing that the state emergency service and rural fire service do here, clearing out the mud, putting tarpaulins on, cutting trees down. Um, officially, the rapid response team role is to provide emotional and spiritual support to Samaritan's Purse, um, which we do. But obviously, there are a lot of people that they've been working with and a lot of people around, indeed, um, who will come up and recognize the blue shirts that we wear um, and say, you know, have you got a minute? And we'll, we'll talk to them. Uh, I have a colleague in, in Australia who is actually setting up um, an Australian-based Samaritan's Purse disaster response program. Um, which hopefully should be up and running uh, within the next few months, in, in, re- in readiness for anything that happens in Australia over this uh, over this summer. Mm. Um, but what what do we do? Well, ideally, we would like to have someone at least rolling towards what's happened within twenty four hours. Um, in the US, we we certainly do that. We have pe- we have chaplains on call all the time. Samaritan's Purse has people on call all the time so that within 24 hours of a disaster happening, we would like to have someone there. Uh, I believe after Hurricane Katrina, we had someone actually on the ground in, in not, sorry, uh, after the, the, um, the, the earthquake in Haiti, we had someone on the ground there within 72 hours uh, coordinating a response. And we were there for months and months and months. We're there until people don't need us anymore. 
Yeah, Australia's not immune to any of these disasters, as we well know, but the first time I heard about the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team was during Black Saturday, the Black Saturday bushfires a few years ago in Victoria, around the Beaconsfield area. All of a sudden, it seemed that uh, there was churches who were just looking for some help, and there was the, the Rapid Response Team. That was the first time I'd heard of Rapid Response Team here in Australia. Yeah, the, the Rapid Response response Team started off in, in the US uh, and then expanded uh, to Canada, then to the UK, and then 2009 when we had such big fires in Victoria, uh, two of the senior managers from the Rapid Response Program in Australia came over to Victoria to see if there was a need um, to establish a Rapid Response Program here. Uh, and what they found was was absolutely there was. Um, as I said earlier, a lot of people in the churches really want to go and help, but they don't really know what to say. And we've almost been programmed that if we say the wrong thing, we can really mess with people's heads. So we take the default safe line and we don't do anything. Um, now, it's not necessarily that complicated, but you do need a little bit of guidance and a little bit of training. So they went back to the States and said, yeah, I think we need this here. And they came up with a strategy to actually establish a rapid response program in Australia. And uh, that started uh, 18 months ago, in fact, 4th of July last year. Phil, stay with us. We're going to come back and continue this discussion a little bit more about who the Rapid Response Team are and what they do and find out a little bit more about your experience and how you came to be involved with this particular organisation. Phil Oman's my guest on 2020 as we look at being Jesus with skin on, as Phil just said, the Rapid Response Team from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. You're listening to 2020 and our daily podcast from the Vision Radio Network. And we're back now with Phil Oman, the Australian Director of the Rapid Response Team, or the team leader, if you like, of the Rapid Response Team here in Australia. Phil, in our last segment, we were talking a little bit about who the Rapid Response Team are, where they're from, their connections, obviously, with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. You mentioned that it was only about 18 months ago that Australia established their own Rapid Response Team. So how did that work with being involved in the bushfires in Victoria a few years ago, and then it's only 18 months ago that you're here officially? Yeah, um, I, I was actually down with the, the Vic fires with another chaplaincy organisation, Chaplaincy Australia, who are the chaplaincy arm of Australian Christian churches, and uh, got quite a bit of experience down there. You, you may recall the, uh, the, the town of Marysville, uh, yeah. where everyone had to leave in a real hurry. The, the police eventually allowed some of the residents to go back on, on buses on condition that they uh, they didn't get off the buses. And on each bus they put a chaplain, and I, I was selected to be one of those. Uh, so there's like me and 16 people grieving, hurting people, going back to everything that's just been destroyed. And uh, it was a pretty pretty tough time. That, that really is the sharp end of chaplaincy. Um, so, of course, when the Billy Graham team came along, I actually met met up with them uh, the previous February at a conference in Baltimore. I saw these guys in blue shirts and they told me the vision for Australia. And um, over a, a two to three month period, uh, they offered me the role of being the first manager. So I, I think I'm reasonably experienced and, and, and qualified to, to do the job that I do. Mm. Um, but my, my role really is, is, to, is to find, train, deploy, manage, debrief teams of crisis response chaplains. Um, how do we find them? Well, it's, it's a two-stage process. Uh, our, our main, my main role really is, is to try and, um, I guess, educate people in the local church that the basics of chaplaincy are really not that complicated. It's just coming alongside people who are hurting 
um, and, and being a friend for them, being a support for them. So we have a thing which we call a Sharing Hope in Crisis seminar. It's a one-day training that we run in different places around the country. We basically go through what do people in crisis look like? Is crisis biblical? Um, you may be surprised that whether you do the wrong thing or the right thing, crisis happens. Um, so we go through that. We go through a little bit of the psychology of crisis and give some hints and tips as to how to minister to people in different circumstances. And then we give people the opportunity to to become part of the, the Rapid Response Chaplaincy Program if they choose to. And we ask them to pray first, obviously. Um, what we do then is if, if they think they would like to take the training further, we'll ask them for a number of references uh, to make sure they're the, the right type of people to be doing the role. Um, and then they can come on board. The only requirement is that within the next year or 18 months, uh, we would like them to do some more specialist crisis intervention training, uh, which is not hugely available in Australia, but we're actually able to train that ourselves. Uh, we have a couple of trainers, uh, including myself, who can who can train these internationally accredited courses. Mm. And then what sort of growth have you seen of the rapid response team? What What sort of size of presence do you have in Australia at the moment? At the moment, we have... Uh, somewhere in the low 40s chaplains. Um, a number of them are, are, are in, a, in a position to, uh, to deploy if necessary. Some people need more, more notice than others. Uh, because it's all a voluntary thing, um, we, we can't demand that you, you drop everything and come and join us. Uh, what we do in, in practice is if, if I think there's a possible need for deployment, uh, we'll send an email out to everybody. We'll send an email out actually to everyone who's done the Sharing Hope in Crisis seminar and also the chaplains. Um, we ask the chaplains to respond as soon as they can to let me know if they're available so that if we do decide to deploy, we have a pool of people to choose from. Mm -hmm. If you're a chaplain and can't deploy or if you're someone who's done the Sharing Hope in Crisis seminar, well, we would please ask you to pray for those who are deploying because we obviously can't, can't deploy without prayer cover. It would be no. really foolish to do that. Phil, tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience you've already mentioned that uh, you know you've been in chaplaincy you, you've worked in as you said with at the time with the Vic fires in in Victoria during the the Black Saturday you met the Billy Graham guys at a conference in Baltimore mm. tell us a little bit about your history how did you come to be involved in in chaplaincy and what do you find is your link into this this aspect of chaplaincy? Right. Um, we, we moved as a family to Australia in, around 11 years ago. Uh, we came to, to work with Mercy Ships, an arm of youth with a mission. Um, for various reasons, that didn't work out too well, and we, we moved on from there. Um, but I've always had an interest in chaplaincy, uh, and, and particularly stuff at the sharp end. Um, I was trained as a, as a paramedic. Uh, my wife's a registered nurse. My daughter's about to graduate as a registered nurse. And my son's doing training to become a paramedic. So it's, it's sort of in the blood. <laughs> it sort of is, yeah. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Um, in about 2005, I became chaplain to the State Emergency Service in Canberra. Uh, and that has obviously taken me to a, a number of disaster sites. Um, Victoria fires being one. We actually had the first ever line of duty death of an ACT emergency services worker there. And I got involved to a small extent in, in the aftermath of that. When we had... Um, the, the cyclone came through northern Queensland. I, I was up there, been to Newcastle floods and all sorts of other bits and pieces. So 
my, my heart really is in, in doing chaplaincy and helping other people. Uh, I have to admit that um, I'm one of these people that, that thrives on the adrenaline of being first in at the sharp end. Uh, that's, that's where I enjoy working and that's where I think I work best. Uh, so when the opportunity came up to, to train people to go out and do that sort of thing uh, and to actually be part of the, the, the frontline first in response, it was just too good an opportunity to miss. That, that's sort of in, in, a, in a, an earthly um, context. Of course, there was a huge amount of prayer that went into mm. taking this role, uh, not only for whether I should do it, but whether the Billy Graham organization thought I was the right person for the role. As it happens, a, a few things confirm that, that all the ducks lined up, if you will. And I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It, it seems like every, every experience I've had in life over the last 10 to 15 years uh, is, is coming to, to help me to do this role. I guess it's also a really powerful statement then when you, you realize that God has definitely led you here, that, that your faith in God and being able to put that trust in God to lead you to the right place at the right time um, has continued to use your passion and use your gifts. Um, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I am really passionate about what I do. Uh, and it's, it's amazing that, you know, you, you, you go through, through phases where things don't quite go wrong. And, and I take the view, well, if things aren't working now, well, maybe I'm not quite going in the right direction. Um, and, uh, it's, it's funny. I, I remember Joyce Meyer once saying she'd been asked, um, you know, what if you go away from, from the light which God is shining? And she said, well, wherever I go, God always comes and finds me. Um, so you, you always end up on the right track eventually. And my experience has been that if you if you do things um, in the true belief that that's where God is calling you, um, even if it's not, He'll honour that and bring you back in gently and say, you know, that's not quite not quite what I meant for you. Um, I, I like to think that that we have that same sort of philosophy within the Billy Graham organisation. Uh, we we like to. To, to bring people along and encourage them and, and help them to, to find where they fit. One thing which I, I know a lot of people may find a little uncomfortable when they're doing it themselves is, is the evangelism. You know, we, we're a, a society which seems to be fairly preoccupied with numbers and we always want to know, you know, how many conversions did you have on this deployment and so on. Uh, and I was having a conversation with one of the chaplain coordinators in the States a week or two ago um, who said they, they don't have very many numbers of conversions when they go out. Um, but then they realized after a while that some of us are called to dig the ground, some of us are called to plant the seeds, some of us are called to water, and some of us are, are called to harvest the fruit. You just need to, to find out which, which one you're mm. called to do and be comfortable in that. The evangelism itself, again, is something which people fairly are, are fairly uncomfortable with in, in my experience. We we help people along with that. Uh, we have one particular um, one particular Bible tract which we've been using as an organisation for years and years and years, um, and it almost does the job for you. Really does. There's very little you have to do in practice. Um, you just have to be there to be the hands of of God to to to, to pass the information across. Mm. Certainly, very interesting stuff as what you're doing, Phil. Just stay with us again. We're going to come back and. I guess get down to tin tacks about some of the more recent disasters that we've seen both here in Australia and around the world, and we'll get a little bit more from you about how Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and the Rapid Response Team in particular are working in those areas. You're listening to today's daily podcast featuring the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, the Rapid Response Team, 
Team Manager for Australia and New Zealand, Phil Oman. And we're continuing our conversation now with Phil Oman, who's the, the new team leader, if you like. He's the guy in charge of the Rapid Response Team for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association here in Australia. Phil, we've looked a little bit about what you do and, and how you do it and a little bit of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff about how you've come to be involved with Billy Graham. But it's more than just that, obviously. When you're there on the ground... It could be anything, anytime, anywhere, as you said. You know, the whole point is to be able to deploy and be able to spread that gospel message, even if it just means being able to be a spiritual support or, or just a comfort to somebody. What sort of experience have you had so far as part of the Rapid Response Team? Right. Uh, earlier this year, uh, I went over to the States to do some training um, in crisis intervention. While I was there, there just happened to be a tornado happen in Alabama, uh, so I got invited to go down and, and, and help to, to manage that deployment. It's the first time I'd ever been anywhere near a tornado uh, or the aftermath of it. It was, it was quite a shock. And you see all these houses which are just so much matchwood. But the great thing is the, the stories that come out, the, the people you talk to and the experiences you hear really make you realize you know, how, how God really is in control. Uh, stories of you know, one lady who looked out and saw the, the tornado coming towards her her children were one side of the house. She was the other side of the house, and the tornado came through the middle. They all walked away. The interesting thing was she, she prayed at the time. Uh, she said, Lord, I either, either take all of us or don't take any of us because I can't live without my kids and they can't live without me. And she said, I give everything I, did, I have and everything I own is yours. Just just protect us. The, the sort of prayer we would, always, mm. we would all pray. And she said the tornado went through, and she opened the door, and the middle of her house had been destroyed, and her kids were fine. And they were all really excited, and then they walked out of the front door, and her three-week-old Chevrolet had a one-metre-wide tree across it. And she said, well, Lord, I said everything I have is yours. <laughs> um, we, we spoke to another guy who said he saw the tornado coming towards him, and um, we said, well, did you have any damage? He said, no. He said, I just stood there, and I rebuked that tornado, and it went round my house and carried on behind it. Wow. But, you for real? <laughs> but then you, you look at the 100-metre-wide swathe that the tornado had taken out, and you can see that it actually took a detour around his house. It's unbelievable. Um, th- these are typical of the stories we, we see. Obviously, there, there are people who, that, we, that we come across who have had tragedy happen to them, mm. um, either in, in the sense of, of um, killed or, or injured loved ones. Uh, a lot of people traumatized because they've had lots of property damage. Um, we don't think too much about that type of thing in the Western world, but when a team deployed to Japan, you've got um, villages there that are literally thousands of years old and you've got generation after generation after generation have lived there. And all of a sudden it's gone. Mm. And and that, the, the, the picture that I'm, I'm, told by one of my directors, uh, he remembers of, of that, is, is an old guy sat in the corner with a blanket over his head. Um, just didn't know what to do. Couldn't talk to anyone because what had happened was so enormous. Your, your brain just can't process it. And that, that's, that's not an unusual story. It it's, it's really can be quite tough on the ground. Uh, but you go from amazing highs to amazing lows. Um, what I find... Uh, what I found a little amusing when I was in Trustville, Alabama, was we went to see a lady who had a, a, a tree removed from her backyard. And uh, we, we were asking afterwards if, if there was anything we could pray for her. And she asked us to pray for a couple of people. Uh, and she started to get a little teary. 
Um, and the coordinator I was with said, uh, no, ma'am, if, if you just forgive me if I tear up as well because I'm a, I'm a bit that way inclined. And I said, well, that makes three of us. So we were there praying with a lady, three of us in floods of tears. Um, now, you, you may say that's inappropriate. Um, I would agree with you to a point. There's nothing wrong with, with sharing a few tears and sharing emotion with someone um, as long as it's not going to affect you when you walk out of the door. It doesn't affect your job. Um, some people are like me. Some people are, are have, have a, a different um, different makeup, and, and they're not that emotional. I'm afraid I'm one of the one of those that is. Mm. Um, but that's that's me. You you, you get what you see. Mm. Bringing a little bit of uh, you know God and a little bit of the gospel into some of these uh, tragic situations can also be quite difficult, can't it? It, it, it can. Um, you you have to look for your opportunities, though. Uh, we have a thing called Ministry on the Way, a concept called Ministry on the Way. Now, every morning we get the teams of chaplains. Um, they get tasked to go and look after the Samaritan's Purse teams and, and certain other homes that have been identified. But if an opportunity comes up sort of out of left field, we encourage them to go and look at it. And there was a story in uh, Greensboro, Kansas. Uh, again, a tornado had gone through. The whole place looked like it was just full of swimming pools. It was actually basements full of water. And a, a Samaritan's Purse bobcat driver was, was clearing someone's yard. And he saw an old bloke um, sat on the tail, tailgate of his ute. So he reported that back and a chaplain went to see him. Uh, it was an 84-year-old gentleman. Um, his house had been destroyed by a tornado the year before. Uh, six months later, his wife died of cancer. And now his house has been destroyed again. And the chaplain came alongside him and uh, said, Sir, can can I can I sit with you? He introduced himself as a chaplain, and, and Mr. Bedis said to him, "Ah, um, oh, yeah, but I, I don't go to church. They're full of a bunch of hypocrites." And what what would your response be to that? I you you, you get very defensive. <laughs> you, you think you get very defensive. The the chaplain actually said, "Sir, I, I I'm, I'm I'm afraid you may be right." Um, and the guy suddenly realised that this this wasn't a super spiritual person. It was someone who's real. Um, and through that, um, he, he recommitted his life to the Lord. Mm. You, you never know where the opportunities are going to come from. One of the challenges I come across in Australia is because we're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, add that with, with the general picture of, of chaplaincy, the, the public think we're going to go out and we're going to start Bible bashing people. Um, in, indeed, Christians think that because we're an evangelistic association, we're going to just ram Bibles down people's throats. That's not what we do. We we have a Bible verse that underpins everything we do. It's it's one Peter three fifteen. Um, always set apart Christ in your heart as Lord. I would encourage everyone to do that. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope that you have. So far so good. And the the last little bit is do so with gentleness and respect. And we often forget the last bit. Uh, statistically, even in the U.S., uh, I think I heard statistics that we might pray with one in four that we come across. Uh, it's not huge numbers. We we do it if the opportunity arises, if it's appropriate. Um, it, it's not the be-all and end-all. We don't always pray for people. Mm. Uh, and and we, we need to respect them. Uh, and if we're seen to be respecting them, well, we're preparing the ground for the next Christian person that comes along who hopefully will behave in a similar manner um, and, uh, and, and keep the good name going. Definitely a challenging job and, and one that can... I guess, bring highs and lows of your faith and of your human experience. Mm. And you're about to head off 
overseas, you and a, a few of the team members from the rapid response team here in Australia. Uh, it sounds, I guess, a little bit cold to say it, but you're, you're off to get a little bit of uh, professional development, a bit of actual experience in a disaster zone. That That's pretty much it in a nutshell, yes. Um, the Americans deployed three team, three chaplain coordinator crews a couple of days ago to go and assess what's going on on the ground. Now they've spoken to local churches, seen what the need is, and decided that there will be a deployment roster. And I, I just heard uh, yesterday that uh, I'm able to take a small team over in a couple of weeks. We'll be there from about the 17th to the 25th of November. Not quite sure where yet. But the great thing is we're going to have people in an environment where they're doing chaplaincy for real, um, where it's not sanitised, we're not practising in a classroom, we're out, you know, where, where you've got cars that have been buried under four feet of sand and, and everything that's gone with the, the storm that's gone through. Uh, it'll be good experience for them. Um, and hopefully we can we can channel that experience into making them leaders um, in, in preparation for anything that might happen in Australia in the future. Mm. It's quite quite an opportunity. Well, the the Superstorm Sandy has certainly done its work, and that is to, it's sort of left a lot of people displaced, and you hear a lot of the ups and downs of the stories of what's happened on the east coast of America. So mm. I think you're going to have your work cut out for you. I suspect so, yes. But uh, may God go with you. Thank you very much. I think you're going to need it. <laughs> but uh, I think that's the best thing to do is is just to ask our listeners to pray for your team and the teams in the U.S. who are already there working and that uh, God can continue to show you just where you need to be at the right time for the right type of person. Yeah, and if, if people want to keep up to date with, with what's happening, there is a Rapid Response Team Facebook page, uh, both for the U.S. and for Australia, two separate pages. Uh, if you just type in Rapid Response Team, um, they, they'll come up, and, and that's being updated fairly regularly uh, on both the American and the Australian responses. Well, you'll see that on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash matt.ucbaus, and you can have a look there. And uh, we'll also put a link to the Rapid Response Team website here in Australia if people want to know more about the team or about the training that uh, you offer for people to deal with any sort of crisis situation. Yeah. Phil Oman, it's been great having a conversation yeah. with you. Really enjoyed the the looking at who the rapid response team are. I was I was just going to mention we actually have some training coming up. Uh, it'll it'll be in Brisbane on the first of December. If anyone's interested in coming along to do our one day training session, details are on the web page, and I would encourage you to come along if you if you live within reasonably easy reach of Brisbane. Phil Oman from the rapid response team here in Australia, and we'll put those details up on our blog at vision.org.au. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.